final episode of the Baggies broadcast for this series. We've had an extended campaign this time around. While the players have been on the beach, I'm sure some of you supporters have been on the beach as well, we've been providing you with summer podcasts and content throughout this uh, this downtime before the start of next season. Um, and it's been a busy summer. Joe, how are you? I haven't given you much of a summer off, really, mate. How have you been coping? How have you been doing? I haven't seen much of you. Always try and look after you, but I haven't <laughs> been able to over the last few weeks. But um, anyway, I hope you're not too burnt out from the Baggies broadcast summer series. I'm not. I'm, I'm all right, mate. Thank you very much uh, for asking. Yeah, you've been. Uh, well, you're saying that we've just had a conversation off air. How we've both got colds and we're a bit under the weather, so maybe we have burnt ourselves out. You never know. We might. I think we might have, mate. We have both got colds, coughs, a bit of a headache, um, earache, all this that, and the other. But we're battling on as always. Um, yeah, it's been hectic, mate, hasn't it? You've you've really cracked the whip this summer. Um, up the ante. Um, if anyone's struggling to listen to this, I apologise. I've lost my headphones. I've been searching around my house looking for them for the last 20 minutes um, and can't find them anywhere. I'm blaming my wife. She's probably taken them. Um, but yeah, hopefully the sound quality isn't too bad. Um, yeah, we get complaints about the sound quality anyway. Even it's though not we... that sound quality. Last week we recorded a intro for the Nigel Quasi episode. I, in my being really busy, forgot to put my microphone in. So it did sound quite echoey. But comments of like, is Drury recording this in a swimming pool aren't helpful. So <laughs> they get on my nerves, quite frankly. I'm not like the top, top producer. You know, I'm not like top of the game or whatever. So just, just give us a break sometimes. You're not for our Williams, are you, mate? You're not for our Williams. Too great today. Don't be getting on Twitter going, oh, you're recording it with a bag over your head or something. Just, <laughs> just leave it out. Just enjoy the episode and look forward to the next series. There's my little, that's my massy rant for the day. If you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything don't at say all. Don't say it at all, yes. Imagine if Twitter went with that message. That'd be boring. Well, not boring, but it'd be... I think Twitter would probably close down. <laughs> I think the world would be a better place. It would be a much better place, it would be. Um, so, yeah, but today we're going to just wrap up the series, really. Um, we were gonna, we've had five guests on this podcast. Uh, we've had some great stories, and we're just going to recap on some of them today. And we're going to look at what's been going on Last few weeks of the Hawthorns, look ahead to the preseason campaign, etc. Look at the rumour mill, friendlies, you know, fixtures, whatever. We'll have a bit of a look, a look over that. But we're going to have a look at the, the series that we've just done. We've had five guests. We started with Dan Ashworth, and we had Hal Robson, Carney, Paul Robinson, Sam Field, and Nigel Quasi. Um, Joe, I'm going to throw you on the spot now. I know you have, as I am prepared for these podcasts, you've had this script for a good hour. Um, although I know you've been busy in the last. I haven't actually read it. Um, I'm going to ask you for your top, maybe top five, top three, top five, however many you want to go. Just, just moments or stories of the series, ones that like have stuck in your memory that are really up there. Well, I'll do five as well in, in, in a while, but um, oh, just because you're the man who everyone wants to hear from, so I'm going to ask you first. Basically, this is going to give me time to think of five for myself. Three stories from the summer series. You want All right, five. Five? No, I'm struggling with three, mate. I don't no, mean five. That, that's not saying anything about our, either what, what you think of our guests, Joseph. No, I mean, like, I thoroughly enjoyed them all. Also, I've just not got a very good memory in life. Like, my memory is absolutely atrocious. Um, oh, dear, mate. This is going to be a struggle. Right, so I just have to say... Can I just say my, my, my three highlights? Go on, then. So, I pro- I, probably, my three highlights probably are... Just a securing Dan Ashworth um, and that podcast in general, um, because I've got to be honest, I find the bloke absolutely fascinating, and not just what he did at Albion, but of course what he did for England as well. Um, and listening to his stories was utterly remarkable. 
Um, yeah, we did, I think we did very, very well to get him, really. Um, and I just thought, yeah, from top to bottom, I was so proud of that podcast and the numbers it did. Obviously, we don't go into... Um, How we've recorded the podcast a while ago, I think we can just tell you the backstory of this, basically. Now, Danish is a pretty big name. So, basically, when we started the series, I said to Joe, right, I want your little black book with all your numbers in, and I'm just going to ring them. And Dan Ashworth was one of the first person I rang, and he picked the phone up straight away, and he was really nice, and he said, yeah, I'll do it. But we had to get permission from Brighton, because at the time, he was on guard, some sort of gardening leave from Brighton before he's now taking his job in Newcastle. Yeah. So we went to Brighton, and there was like a month, wasn't there, Joe? Like three weeks, where we hadn't anything from Brighton, so I had to go back to them. And then Brighton gave it the okay. So then I went to Dan, and he was like, he wanted it in Brighton from Brighton, which he did get in the end. And then, so we were a bit, I mean, I weren't we, that we were going to get the episode. Yeah. Um, we did get it in the end. It's just a thoroughly nice guy, wasn't he? Just a good guy. As uh, people can, can guess from the, the episode. And we had a target we wanted to hit. Joe thought it was a bit ambitious of target views. I'm not going to reveal how many, but we have beaten it. Pretty smashed it. I don't. We, I'm not, I don't want to talk about figures because I don't. I don't. No, no, but, I'm not gonna talk but I'm, I'm going to. I am going to say, mate. I'm proud of it because it's well into, well into five figures, um, for the amount of listens for that podcast. And uh, yeah, I am. I have to say, mate, I'm immensely proud of that. I think it's um, the sheer amount of people that have listened to that podcast does make me very, very happy. It's definitely a career highlight, mate. If I'm honest, career highlight. Up there, and, um, up there with Safegate. Up there with Southgate, mate, yeah. yeah. Definitely up yeah. there with Southgate, Dan Ashworth for me. Um, so, yeah, that's highlight number one. Highlight number two um, was just how humble Sam Field was. Um, I mean, he is a lovely boy, and I just really like the way... Well, I just admire him, really, for like the way he's handled everything that happened to him at Albion. And when, when I say like what happened to him, I mean... It was just injuries, really, but he was so unlucky, I feel. I just feel like so many times he was on the periphery getting a run in the first team. And look, we listen, anyone who's listened to the podcast will know just how Albion Sam Field is. I mean, he couldn't be more Albion. whole family come from Albion um, are Albion fans. I mean, he really is a proper baggy. And yeah, he, I mean, look, he did live the dream. He did play for Albion, but I think he was so close to getting a, 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 a real run. Um particularly under Slavin and yeah injuries just sort of he was really but he takes he's taken it with such grace um and with no sort of I don't know what's the word really animosity he's not he's not bitter in any way he's just a really lovely lovely boy um cracking on at QPR and I'm sure he's gonna have an absolutely great career so it was just nice I think you said didn't you like when we were talking to him it was like it was like we were in a pub with a mate um and that is how he came across he was just yeah top absolute top lad um and then my third highlight, and this is, I feel bad on Paul Robinson and Hal Robson Carney because they were great podcasts, but it was it was the Nigel Quasi podcast, and again, just what, I mean, he, just what a top egg he is, and 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 the stories he was willing to share, like really like heartfelt stories. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, I mean, incre- incredible stories. Um, so I was really really grateful to him to share that, and yeah, I just think. Um, all of them were just good podcasts. I'm proud of them. I can't say anything else other than that. I'm, I'm, I genuinely am pleased with with all all five of the podcasts that we put out over the summer. Yeah, they were um, they were good. I've got five here that I want to share. They were my favourites. I've been through through this morning. Baggies fans might have seen that. I put a little bit of a 
video montage together of some of the best bits. Um, right, so you're really not on the spot then, are you? So when five minutes ago... No, you... I'm not on the spot. I, no. did, I, I wrote this list. I wrote this list literally 35 seconds ago, Joe. <laughs> yeah, but this morning you've done a video of the yeah, of your highlights. Only like two of the stories are in that reel. Yeah, all right, mate. So, come on, it's the last episode of the series. Don't get that. Come on, let's not fall out now, eh? Let's not fall out now. Um, I'd say number one. This is not in like best to worst order. Just five. Uh, the story that Dan Asher told about Nemanja Matic was pretty out of the blue. Um, I know that he said when we asked him about who West Brom could have signed and who they didn't sign. Um, he did say um, Robert Lewandowski, which is something that has subsequently, I find out, been reported in the past. Um, but yeah, in terms of like just a play like your man, your match, how West Brom did sign. It's just that funny how football goes, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was an incredible, incredible tale, really. Um, just on um, other stuff, we uh, sorry, I'm just looking for that story that Nigel Quasi told. Because I put like a little bit of a preview clip out, and as you all know, Joe, we spoke about it. It went absolutely nuts, didn't it? Mm. On uh, on Twitter, so I'm just looking to find out how many people actually looked at it. But um, other stories, probably Paul Robinson when he talked about the end of Valerian Ishmael's reign. We, we, it was like that was a point of view we'd heard, probably not from anyone else before, was it? In, in terms of Paul Robinson, an ex-baggy uh, with affiliation to West Brom, sort of stood on the touchline there at um, at the Den on that, that, that sour last day for Big Val. Um, he was a, obviously the head coach at, or assistant manager, one of the two, at, at Millwall. Um, just saying how West Brom played give up, basically. I thought it was a really good insight into how bad things actually got last season. Um, so that was up there for me. The quasi stuff, yeah, when he spoke about the racism that he had to endure, sort of when he was trying to make his way in the game, sort of travelling through London. And the Tony Pula story that I told, you know, it was a story about two good people with affiliations to West Brom, not from when they were at West Brom together. Just look now, we've got 55,000 views on Twitter um, and it went absolutely nuts. He was getting picked up by all sorts of different accounts um, and just showed the level of, of Tony Pulis. I think what what was nice is that fans slang off Tony Pulis for his style of play and stuff, but this just shows that he is a proper, a proper bloke, a decent bloke. Um, and the story still blows my mind. I'm sure it still does with you, Joe. The fact that this manager... Pulis, who was, yeah, all right, he was probably in the early days of his managerial career, but just randomly got in touch with a footballer who'd gone through a bit of tragedy, uh, gone through tragedy to help him. It still blows my mind, I'm sure it does yours as well. Yeah, yeah, it was an incredible yeah, story. It was, incredible um, story. It was a, good, a good story. Sam Field just talking about uh, how the passion he spoke about coming through at Albion and, you know, training with the first team and meeting the first team and when he was in the academy and just as you said as well how he came to an end just such like a not a harrowing story because you know nothing absolutely tragic happened but just how he was so unlucky with injuries he could have been he could he if he wouldn't have got injured he'd be bossing Albion's midfield right now wouldn't he let's be perfectly honest Albion would, there's no way Albion would have let him go um, and from what we saw of him he probably would have gone on and become a bit of a legend at the Hawthorns which is which is gutting at the same time, isn't it? Um, and then the final one for me was, there's a lot in the Dan Ashworth episode, which was really good, and I might have a listen to it again next week. Um, but just the way his technical director role come about, how that could have probably changed the face of football, if we're perfectly honest. Dan Ashworth was what was the first, one of the first technical directors 
you know, I think like you said, other, other clubs had like similar roles, but he was one of the first, or if not the first. If Jeremy Peace hadn't been the visionary, as Ashworth said, to come up with that role. And put him in it. And put him in it. We might not have seen the technical directors in clubs. We've probably seen similar roles, just called something else. <clears> but we might not have seen them all over football clubs as we do now. You know, technical director role now is arguably bigger than the, the manager. Um, so that basically that stemmed from West Brom. West Brom have done a lot of things in football history. And that's probably one of them that no one really realised until Ashworth came on the podcast. So um, I'd probably say those five were probably the standouts Standouts for me, really, and yeah, just a good series, Joe. Yeah, that Ashworth story, though, was. I'm just like, I mean, you've made. I I couldn't. I think you you've picked five crackers. To be fair, I mean, it helps when you've had hours to research it. But um, yeah, I couldn't remember Ashworth saying that. I think at the time Chelsea had tried with a technical director with Frank Arneson, and it hadn't quite worked out for them. So while it was still very much the way a lot of European clubs did it, um, it wasn't really. Um, what's the word? It wasn't really. I can't think what the word like crossing over to England. It wasn't really like we just weren't following clubs in this country. Just weren't following that model. And then like just Ashra was saying that essentially, when Jeremy Peace offered him the job, his sort of first reply was, "What does that mean? Like, what what does the job actually entail?" And then saying that I want, I'll do it, but I'll do it for six months. And at the end of it, if we don't think I'm doing a good job or I'd not enjoy. It, then we'll go our separate ways. And <clears throat> well, he could go back to be an academy manager, couldn't he? So is what he said. Uh, but yeah, just to think that, amazing, really, that I think everyone listens to this. Dan Ashworth is the best technical director in the country. I don't really think that's up for debate. Um, I think everyone would probably agree with that. Um, and to think that, yeah, he never, never had eyes on that job or when he was offered that job, he didn't quite... No, hundred percent. What it what it entailed. I just think, yeah, a remarkable story, really. And now he's gone on to revolution. I mean, he transformed Albion and England. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, but yeah, we had five episodes. We were going to have a sixth, um, but we had. I think we announced a few weeks ago we we're going to Derek McInnes was going to come on the podcast. We were actually meant to record with Derek a few weeks ago, but we had a few technical difficulties when we got on the call. We planned to rearrange, but. Um, we weren't able to find a date. Derek's back in pre-season now up in Scotland. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to get Derek on um, when we have the next series. There's a few others that we were planning to, to get on. A former Albion manager, um, a former Albion goalkeeper who agreed, but he's got a really busy schedule now. He's actually got a really successful podcast of his own. So that you wouldn't know who he was going to be. Um, but yeah, but we've had five great episodes. Hope you've really enjoyed them. Um, we'll be back with a little mini-series. Here's an exclusive announcement for you. Um, as we all know, the World Cup is going to be in the winter this year, which is, whether you like it or not, it's happening. Um, there's going to be a three-week break, I think, Joe. Is it three weeks for the Championship? Four weeks. Four weeks Yeah. Uh, for the Championship. So we're going to have a three-slash-four-part mini-series coming up over the World Cup um, when not a lot is going on around the Hawthorns. So hopefully we'll be able to get some, some big names and some more interesting stories. Um, and if you've got any suggestions, get in touch with us. Um, so there we go, the Baggies Broadcast Summer Series. Now, on this episode, we'll just have a bit of a reflection, really. Obviously, we haven't, through the Summer Series, we haven't been doing our regular episodes because as it's the summer, everyone's on the beach, not a lot is happening. Um, but there has been a few goings on, Joe. Um, two new signings through the door, and let's be honest, Albion sniffed out probably the most wanted free agent in the Championship last season um, in Alex Mowat. They've done so again this summer. 
now. Anyone who could be questioning Steve Bruce, quite rightly, didn't do very well in the back end of the season. I think Steve Bruce questioned himself, but he said he wanted to deliver these two signings in the summer, and he's certainly lived up to his word with Jed Wallace and John Swift going through the door already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I said in the podcast, when the podcast we did do, not wonderful, so the final one is just me and you. Um, I think you'd have to take it. We knew Albion were in for Wallace, we knew they were in for Swift. Um, <clears throat> and I think I said at the time, well, you'd, you'd take one of them now, really. You, I mean, they, if you can get one of them, I think that's good business. To get both of them is absolutely remarkable, really. Um, and I said so many times, I think I said it on the podcast, but I might not have, but I genuinely think so many of Albion's problems last season can be fixed with recruitment. Um, the squad was just horribly imbalanced, in my opinion. Look, it was it was built for Ishmael, we know that, built for Ishmael's style. But as Steve Bruce said himself multiple times, it lacked creativity, it lacked pace, it lacked imagination, it lacked options, really. Um, particularly creative options in the middle of the park. And look, we've signed... Without doubt, two of the best players in the championship. Um, without doubt. Jed Wallace, arguably the best player in the championship, I think. I think that's a, he's definitely a case for that. Um, obviously, he can play right midfield, right wing as a 10, even as, as an 8, I suppose, if needs be. John Swift, the same, an 8 or a 10. Um, I think that they're just... Like, there's nothing I can say that hasn't been said before. These are, these are top, 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 top signings. The fact they're on a free transfer makes... It even better. Look, I know people people will come back at me at that, and they will say, <clears throat> "Oh, free transfers aren't free transfers. You get massive signing on fees, and you get massive like wages." And do you know what? That is a- a- absolutely true. Like a uh, Jed Wallace will have commanded a high signing on fee. He will have commanded a wage probably higher than if he would signed. Um, if I've been bought him outright, if I've been bought him say this time last year. But what you're miss, what you what. What everyone seems to be forgetting who says that is Jed Wallace is probably a seven, eight, nine, ten million pounds footballer. Albion haven't had to pay seven, eight, nine million pounds to get him. They, they've got him on a free. So yeah, look, I don't know what he's got as a as a sign on fee, but if it's three million quid, say, look, I'm just completely making that figure up. It's still three. It's still five million less than eight million that would have cost him to buy him last summer. It's like free transfers are, are great deals. Um, and Albion have got the best two I think they could possibly get. I'd, it's not even the case that they were the best free agents on the market, really. I mean, they were, but I think they're arguably... Two, I mean, they are two of the best players in the Championship, whether, whether they're on freeze or not. Um, they are, without doubt, elite players in this division, and they're exactly what we needed, creativity and pace and energy and... I don't I have to be honest. I don't know John Swift in terms of. I've never spoke to the chap. I don't know an awful lot about him personality-wise. Look, like, we know he's very, very talented, very, very good, technically gifted ball-playing midfielder. But in terms of Jed Wallace, speaking to people who know him and have worked with him, I mean, he's just an absolute born winner. Um, <clears throat> and look, we had real. I think we had problems last season in in, in Albion's changing room with attitude. I think. I don't think there's a lot of bad eggs in that changing room. But I think there might be one or two. And I think that there is... I think there's a lot of sheep, to be honest. I think there's a lot of players that just can be dragged, quite easily dragged one way or another. And I think there's some good voices in that dressing room. One of those is Jake Livermore. I say that often. 
Um, but another one will be Jed Wallace, and he will demand such high standards. He is here to win, um, and he will be a positive influence, I believe, um, on so many of those players in the dressing room. And a shout, I said this before, but if anyone's listened to him on the Not The Top 20 podcast, he was one of their guests a couple of weeks ago, before he went, just before he got married. If you haven't listened to that podcast with him, you really, really should listen to it, because he's a great, great interviewee. And... There's no doubt about it, Jed Wallace wants to be in the Premier League. He believes, rightly in my opinion, that he is good enough to play in the Premier League and he deserves a crack at the Premier League, which I think is indisputable, really. Um, And he has signed for Albion because he believes Albion can get them there. And he wouldn't have done that if he wasn't confident. He really wouldn't. So Wallace is a statement signing on so many levels for me. Um, it's, It's a massive capture. Massive, massive capture. In terms of others... I mean, I've been linked with Tom Lawrence, which is a rumour that, you know, obviously you've sort of said is wider than Mark. Are there any other? Albie, we haven't heard of. It's not hasn't been somewhere Albion have been linked with a lot of names, Joe. Um, are there any other links that you're hearing or, or positions that Steve Bruce really now wants to strengthen it? You know, these are the two marquee signers, aren't they? They're, they're signed, sealed, and delivered. You know, where else is is it? Are you thinking or, or hearing that Bruce wants to strengthen that? Um, yeah, I mean, look, in terms of the Lawrence thing, look, Tom Lawrence will not be an Albion player next season. It's a big Twitter thing. Like, I've said that on Twitter. Obviously, Alan Nixon has said um, he will be, or he's close to signing or whatever. Can I just say, I'm a fan of Alan Nixon's work. He gets a hell of a lot of transfer stories. He does things differently to me. He puts an awful lot out. He's going to get things right. He's going to get things wrong. But Alan Nixon, I respect him. So everyone's saying it's Massey versus Nixon, all this, that and the other. It really, really isn't. Um, I'll be the promoter. I've got no, I've got no beef with Alan Nixon. I mean, he's not going to listen to this podcast, but I, I I've got zero um, issue with Alan Nixon. In fact, um, it was it was Alan Nixon who got the interest in Hamza Chowdhury, for example. He did um, smashing job there. But like, if people want to want to still see what happens, who's going to be right and who's going to be wrong, then that's absolutely fine. But let's just say I'm, I'm re- incredibly confident um, that Tom Lawrence won't be an Albion player next season. Um, what, is there any update on trajectory, just as you mentioned? That seems like something that might have potentially hit the buffers. It's gone a bit, a little bit quiet. Um, no. Uh, what the situation? So, uh, if should, we should stress at this moment in time that Albion are focusing on getting players out. That's not to say their summer business is done because it absolutely isn't. In answer to your question, my understanding is Steve Bruce wants a striker to play alongside and/or deputised for Daryl DK. We understand one of the players on the list is Cameron Archer at Villa. He wants a central midfielder. We understand one of those players on the list is Hamza Chowdhury. And he wants, my understanding is he wants cover at fullback, um, which I think is understandable because Darnell Furlong really is only the recognised right back in the only real recognised right back in the squad. And Connor Townsend is the only real recognised left back in the squad. Adam Reach came in as an understudy wing back. Could he be left back? I wouldn't rule it out because I think Adam Reach is versatile and will do a job anywhere. But I think we definitely need competition and cover for Darnell Furlong at the very least. Um, yeah, Hamza Chowdhury, the issue with Hamza Chowdhury, as I understand it, is that loans go later in the window anyway. It'll be a loan deal for Hamza Chowdhury. No one in the Championship can really afford what Leicester would want for him in terms of a fee, I believe. Um, loans traditionally go later. They they just do. what From what we understand, Leicester want a high proportion of his wages paid. He's on a a big, big salary. Um a salary that would be 
100% would be beyond Albion and probably any championship club. Um, so that will come down. What we understand is Leicester are quite happy to let Chowdhury go out. Um, <clears throat> he wants to leave, I think, to play more football. The closer we get to deadline, the more those numbers will move about. It's just the way it works. People might get frustrated by that, but it's a fact. It's the reason why so many deals are done on deadline day or 24 hours before. It's just the way the game works. Um, yeah, other than that, they're, they're the areas. They're the areas we're looking at, I believe, is my understanding. One striker, one central midfielder, cover at fullback. But the priority at this moment in time is getting players out the door. Um, Albion... They've got the two big targets in in Wallace and Swift. They've got a big squad. They've got players who they need to get off the wage bill, truth be told. Like, you can't just keep signing players. Albion are not a Premier League club. They're a championship club. They can't just they, they can't just carry this enormous squad. Is there any inkling of who they're looking to get out of the door? Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. What, when's this podcast going out today? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I I think I think they're willing to listen to offers for three players. I believe they've listened to offers for three players. Um, yeah, and I'll put them out in the morning in a story. Pick up a copy of the Express and Staff. Because um, if I don't, if I say it now, and it'll be everywhere, all the other sites will say it before we put it out at six a.m. But yeah. I'll just say two... No, I'm not even going to say that. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, but I think... The, I, the, the truth is, I think probably a lot of Albion players, if you if they got offered a, a good sum for them, they, they would obviously consider it. The same as all players, really. But I think there's a couple that maybe they would like to get out the door to... Um, in case you have to cut your losses, even though these players are on big contracts, in terms of fees, they're probably going to have to take a reduced fee, are they, Joe, just because of... Yeah, or even like loans um, to get them out the door now and and free up the wages. Um, you got to look like it's not. I think it's fair to assume if say say if Albion signs three more players, I think it's fair to assume that two of them will be on loan anyway. So if you're swapping a loanee for a loanee, it's not really the end of the world, um, and it allows that player that you're sending out on loan puts them in the window. Um, to see if they can secure a move maybe next summer. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see. I can't. There's not a lot of money in the championship, truth be told. I, I can't. And Albion's players are worth a bit of money, so I, it wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me to see a couple leave on loan, um, where their wages will be paid, or a very very large percentage of their wages will be paid. So Albion can then use that money to bring in and maybe a couple of Premier League loanees themselves. Be interesting to see. Uh, aside from transfers and personnel, pre-season tour, Albion are in Portugal. Have you um, have you got your travel arrangements sorted, Mr. Massey, or heading off to Portugal next week? I believe sorted, mate. All sorted. Good. Well, they put it out the five star, five star, is it? Five star hotel with twenty four hour room service. Yeah, that's me, mate. Um, What's the reality? Oh, the reality is I've got a three star. Um, that's not bad. Not bad, um, but wouldn't pay for. Any extra bag, like I've got basically one bag I can take, which, um, like, uh, travel, like a travel bag. You know what you can, what do you call it on the, on the plane? Travel luggage? Cabin travel bag. luggage. Is that travel luggage? Cabin bag. Yeah, but unbelievably. You don't fly much, do you? 
Well, no, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just not into these things, mate, to be honest. Life sort of just happens to me. I let my wife take care of most of these things. Um, but we've got a travel suitcase and, and like for these scenarios, and it's too big to whatever Ryanair or whoever we're flying out with. So they've absolutely done me there. Um, so basically, and annoyingly, I think if I've got two bags, I can't have a laptop bag and a backpack. So I'm in all sorts of bother here. Or because we wouldn't pay something like 45 quid for me to have an extra bag. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's not... Um, this is what happens when I don't come and assist you to these places, you see. When I'm not there, everything falls apart. Mate, I agree. I agree. I can't believe you're not yeah, coming. Joe will, be over, Joe will be over in Portugal next week. I unfortunately won't be there. I'm going to be on holiday, unfortunately. Um, like I said to Joe, though, I would be a bit more gutted if they weren't playing late Orient behind closed doors not disrespect to late Orient. that's disgraceful just, that to late Orient. It's, it's not the most glamorous of friendlies I'm sure Steve Bruce will get a lie of it <laughs> backtracking uh, it's not the, it's not the marquee friendly that a lot of um, fans will be hoping for but Joe you're going out there you're going to be there you're going to be behind them closed doors um, it's, it's going to be a good well for you just to see how I'll be shaping up really What what's Steve Bruce going to be hoping to get out of this obviously pre-season tour fitness and stuff but is it just seeing the players out there playing rather than who they're playing against I suppose in that friendly I guess so yeah I mean, it's a shame isn't it I mean it's a shame to go to Portugal and not, not be playing a Portuguese side here. I mean it'd be nice to be coming up against like Lisbon or Benfica or someone like that I mean it would have been a nice um, that would have been a real experience but yeah unfortunately it's late in Orient behind closed doors um yeah, it's one of them. I say, I mean, look, I can't. Look, they've the, the, gone to Portugal because Bruce always takes teams to Portugal, basically. And he believes it's the best place to get them super fit and get them bonded ahead of the new season. I love football so much that I can't wait for it to come back, basically, the moment it ends. And I always get so excited about friendlies because it's like football's back. And then I sit there 10 minutes into a friendly and I'm like, oh, God. I'm sure you sat there when Alvin's pre-season friendly schedule was announced and probably weren't looking forward to them. They're just, you know, they're just such it's boring not, games, aren't they? The most, but even on paper, they're not the most inspiring games. They have sprinkled in a little bit of Hertha Billing, a little Bundesliga side at the end yeah. um, to spice it off. This is no disrespect to Northampton, Oxford, Stevenage or Crewe. Um, but I asked this question yesterday to Lewis Cox on the Shrewsbury News podcast. Shrewsbury have got a, like flip it on there, choose to be one of them lower sides, they're going to play Burnley and Cardiff pre-season. What, is Steve Bruce maybe of the view of playing these sides, confidence up, get a couple of results, go into the season, or, you know, in your view, is it better to play bigger sides? Maybe you might lose a couple, but get better playing against better sides. What's your view on it? I always think is you get more from playing teams lower down because... You, they're always well up for it. So, like, yeah, I think, like, when you see, like, a lot of results in pre-season where the, the team that's the underdog, if you like, get a result. And I think it's because, like you say, like, for teams lower down, playing Albion is a big deal. They're, they're excited to play. Players who are playing for Oxford, for example, will sort of want to prove a point against Albion players they'd be like oh you play I can play at your level I can I can match you I can do what you do and they'll be out to show that they can sort of mix it with the big boys if you like and 
what will happen is inevitably Albion's players will be at 80% because they'll be thinking, oh, it's a pre-season friendly and we're playing against Stevenage with the greatest respect to Stevenage. So yeah, I think that's why I think that's why it's not a bad idea to play teams lower down because they give you their all. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, does it like, there's no science to it, is there? I'm sure if there was a way people worked out of maximising friendlies, we'd all know it by now. So I think it's just, it's what it is, to be honest. Yeah. And then it'll be into the start of the season, early start of the of July, Middlesbrough away. Um, Joe, I'm not there. I don't think you're there either. Mate, I'm not there. I'm back for Watford, uh, the second game. Um, but yeah, we're both, this is, well, I don't know what your excuse is. What's your excuse? I got a wedding. You got a wedding. And I'm actually involved in the wedding. I'm not just turning up as a guest. I'm, I'm, I'm playing a part. You're an usher, aren't you? I'm an usher, yeah. So, unfortunately, I was there, I was looking at the fixtures and then it came out in Middlesbrough and I was like, I'm quite happy about that. After massing three million of the bus and maybe go all the way to the Riverside on my own last season. Yeah. Um, which I have, I'm over it. But then I was like, oh my God, what if this game gets moved to a Friday night? I was no. well up for it being moved to the Friday night because I could have gone on the Friday night. I know, but I've actually got a wedding on the Saturday and the Sunday. So I'm like... Two different I'm... weddings? Yeah, and driving back from Middlesbrough after a night game like ruined me for about two weeks. Last <laughs> it made me ill. <laughs> That's your own fault for doing it in the same day. I know, yeah, but I've learned my lesson hard. But I'd have had to do that this time <laughs> because I've had to come back. So I'm glad it hasn't been moved. But the baggies, few of the baggies fans are happy with this trip away on a Saturday to Middlesbrough. Um, unfortunately, some poor soul on the ENS sports desk is going to have to go in your place. Unfortunately, because you're away. Um, but tough start on, on in all seriousness, Joe Watford, Middlesbrough. I think Blackburn as well in the first few weeks of the season. Um, it's going to be a, a tough start. I suppose you've got to play them at some point, but it's going to be uh, going to be difficult. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm away because I'm going on holiday. Um, my daughter's at school, so. I mean, the time to take holiday was really in the close season. It has been, it's been, been a struggle. A lot of days getting stories, but yeah, I wish I could have gone away then. But now I can't. Unfortunately, got to wait till my daughter comes out of school. So, unfortunately, that is the reason why I'm missing it. I am very disappointed to miss the first game. I've got to be honest. Um, Are you disappointed? Disappointed to miss Middlesbrough away though? It's just the first game, though, isn't it? Like it's just the first. Game. I don't. I hate missing games full stop. To be honest, I was but... hoping it was going to be Millwall away. I know you hate going to Millwall, don't you? No, but I am coming this time. I was going to book it off, but I am coming. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, tough start. It's good. Look, I think the start of the season is going to be interesting in a sense that I think you've got to give Albin credit for getting Wallace and Swift in. Again, it comes back to getting Wallace and Swift in so early. And um, and yeah, and the fact they've been bedded in now, they've got to Portugal, they've known their teammates and stuff, because I really think that the season starts on July the 30th. So, let's be honest, all teams are stronger. Well, not in theory, all teams should be stronger once the transfer window closes. Um, well, not all teams, because obviously they could lose a really important player, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, and like the big hitters, maybe Norwich, maybe Watford... Who knows? Like maybe they're going to be, they'll probably do business late because most teams do business late. Albion have got their two key transfer targets done. Literally, one and one A, they've got them already. So, and I think those two players single-handedly fix an awful lot of issues for us. And 
We're not a bad. We're not defensively bad. Like we were decent defensively last season. All our problems stem from our inability to take chances and create them. Really, we didn't create enough and we didn't score enough. And we got Daryl DK back. Like Daryl DK is going to be absolutely huge. Imagine if this summer had started now and we'd signed Daryl DK, Jed Wallace, and John Swift. Everyone would be going absolutely mad. I mean, but he is a new signing, basically, that old football cliche. He is. Like, Daryl DK is a new signing for us. So we've got a £7 million striker and two absolutely outstanding championship attackers, throwing them into a mix of a side that, let's be honest, even though it was poor last season, still was relatively defensively sound. Um, and we're ready to go with that. Even as, today, like, as we sit here today, we're ready to go. Um, so, yeah, I just think... I think it's a good time. Like Watford, I think we want to be playing Watford now. I think we want to be playing Middlesbrough now. I think the because I don't think they're going to be as strong potentially as they're going to be in September. Um, and it takes time to adapt, doesn't it? Watford are going to have to adjust to being in the Championship again. And look, it's a tough start on paper. It really is. Um, but yeah, I think they've done a. Yeah, I don't think there's, there's, <laughs> if you've got a team with. Daryl DK. If you're say playing four three three, then you got Daryl DK up front, Jed Wallace on the right, and Carlin Grant on the left, and I don't know, Jake Livermore, Hamza Chowdhury, and Alex. Grady to chuck in there. Sorry. You got Grady to chuck in there. We already mentioned him. John Swift. Yeah, Grady. Like if you got, I mean, we shouldn't be fearing anyone really. Like we shouldn't be fearing anyone. So yeah, good. Great business will hopefully lead to yeah a positive start. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be better than last season. It started well. Let's see how the rest of the summer goes. But that's it. This is our last episode of the series. Just shy of about forty episodes this series, including the um, the summer guest ones. Um, but thanks very much for for tuning in. It feels weird saying that we're ending this series just as preseason's kicking off. Um, but we'll be back. We're gonna have a three week break. We're gonna be back on the twentieth of July. So that gives a lot of time for Joe to come back with fantastic stories and some exclusives and hopefully some more Albion signings um, and we'll have we'll be able to round up what's happened in the pre-season that'll give us two weeks before the start of the campaign two weeks before Middlesbrough um, which none of us are going to be there for so the uh, the podcast after that week is going to be quite interesting isn't it Joe? I'm going to watch the game I can watch the game, watch the game. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll get it on my phone at this wedding <laughs> um, yeah, it's a 5.30 kick-off now as well so yeah, just wanted to be able to speak to. drunk, I'll just probably slope off and just get it on the telly somewhere or get on my phone. Uh, but yeah, it's over for another season. Thank you very much for listening. Um, as we said before, we don't talk listening figures, but we're well into the six figures for this season, like well into it. So it's been absolutely fantastic. The numbers have gone up and up and up all season, and, and especially with the guest episodes, which has been fantastic. Um, and that's been with a bad season. Hopefully next season when things are successful on the pitch, fingers crossed. There'll be even more of you. So um, have a great few weeks. Um, don't be sad. There's a load of other good big name podcasts out there. Tune in for <laughs> time for three weeks. But don't forget to come back to us on the 20th of July. People will. They'll survive without us, mate, for three weeks, I'm sure. Yeah, so I'm sure. That I'm hope, I hope, hope so, anyway. Hope so. But <laughs> don't be for sad. the final time this series, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. Goodbye.